Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Today we're going to continue with Living uh, with Purpose is the title of this uh, sermon message today. This is really part three, and I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, as I mentioned to you at the outset, in praying for the beginning of this year and what I needed to be looking at, because I like to do series or topics, and I was just reminded, I just felt God strongly remind me that I needed to remind everyone here your purpose. Because I, and I'm going to cover this, these last couple of years, there's been a lot of distractions. How many would agree with me? There's too many distractions going on in this world that will sidetrack you from what God has called you and I to do. So that's what I'm going to be speaking to you on for the next few moments. But I want to start off with a story. All right? You down with the story? Okay, here we go. And it's a humorous story. So one day a man visited his doctor because he was in excruciating pain. The doctor asked him, where does it hurt? The man said, all over. And so the doctor told the man to touch his shoulder. And the man touched his shoulder. And he cried out in pain. Next, the doctor told the man to touch his forehead. And the man touched his forehead and again cried out in pain. And the doctor told the man to touch his knee. And the man touched his knee and cried out in pain. He said, Doctor, everywhere I touch, I'm in pain. And so the doctor thoroughly examined the man and concluded, No wonder you're in pain everywhere you touch. You have a dislocated finger. Thank you for laughing at that. Now we may laugh at that joke, but sometimes we think our life is the same way. We look and we, we think that everything's messed up. Everything is messed up. Have you ever said that? Everything's just going crazy in my life right now. Everything's mess is a mess right now. And it's typically not everything. It's one thing. It's your purpose. And that's what, if we're not careful, we're sidetracked from, from all the things going on, the commotion, the things that are going on in our world that will sidetrack us from our purpose. And that's really what it is. It's living without a purpose. And I want to remind you today that you and I were created with purpose, not to just go through the motions, exist day by day, start off tomorrow, Monday morning, go to work, and then by the end of the week, it's Friday, and you're amazed that you got here so fast or that it took forever. Uh, it's not supposed to be just struggling through life like that. There is a purpose for each one of you. Amen? Now, these distractions remove us away from our God-given purpose. And here's the other thing I want to remind you. How many would agree that the beauty of God's creation is all around us? You all agree with that? One of my favorite places, and probably like you, Yosemite. I love Yosemite. You just cannot help but go and visit Yosemite, and everywhere you look, the splendor, the majestic creation of God's hand, from the granite El Capitan to the Three Brothers Mountains to Half Dome, and on and on and on, you see his hand in creation. Yet, you look at that and just stand amazed at God's creation. That's not his greatest masterpiece. The greatest masterpiece he ever created is you and I. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am a masterpiece. 
Now, I didn't say tell that person they're a piece of work. I said they're a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. And it said that we are so complex that our DNA blueprint, if you were to write it down, it would take 200,000 pages to write just your blueprint, your DNA blueprint down. That's how complex you and I are. And God created you with a purpose. He created you uniquely. There's nobody like you in this world. How many are thankful for that? <laughs> Maybe it's your spouse that is, is thankful for that. You are God's greatest work. And as a believer in Christ, there's a custom design, a purpose in life designed by God himself for you, for you alone. He created you especially for a purpose. Listen to this carefully. Purpose is not measured by what you have done compared to what somebody else does. Purpose is measured by what you have done compared to what you're supposed to do. Did you catch that? Don't ever be comparing yourself to other people. That's a lose-lose situation all day long. How many know that? Instead, compare yourself to the person you know you're supposed to be, to the person and the purpose you know you have. There's nothing worse than falling short of knowing what you know you could have done or could have been. I could have been somebody. You don't want to be that person living with regrets. God has created you for a purpose. Amen? Now, if you're a believer this morning or this afternoon, you don't need to be running around trying to discover what that purpose is. Running down this path to see if that's the path you're supposed to take or... Um, you know, running down this, uh, going and moving to another job or whatever it may be, you don't chase your purpose. Amen? Because here's the truth. In experiencing God, you will experience your purpose. God will show you what your purpose is. We can't run away from the church house and expect to find our purpose. Your purpose is going to be found connected to God. And that's what you and I need to truly grasp this afternoon. Again, experience God, and you will experience your purpose in life. I want to uh, put up our sermon text for today, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And listen to the way, and I like the way it says it in the Message Bible. Various translations, but listen to this, these words. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ... And got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. That is a beautiful pair of verses there. Describing you, describing the love he has for you. There's three things that we get out of those two verses there. First is that you discover your identity and purpose through your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to discover it outside. You're not going to discover it at your job place. You might discover talents you might have, but to discover what your purpose is, it's found in Christ Jesus. The second thing is that this verse reminds us that God had us in his mind before we ever were born. God said here, long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us the Bible says in another passage, he knit you together in your mother's womb. Think about that. 
Before you ever came out of your mother's womb, he, had, he was creating you, stitch by stitch. He, the DNA that you have, it's not by mistake. It's the way you turned out, it's not by mistake. He created you uniquely. He had you in mind. The Bible says it goes even further. Before the foundations of the earth, he had you in mind. His plan was in effect. And then thirdly, what's found in those two verses is the purpose of your life fits into a much larger plan, a unique plan that God, God has for each of us today. It says this, that for or part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. He's working out a purpose in you, even today. It, it doesn't matter if you're 12 here today or if you're 92 or 39. I just turned 39, okay? It doesn't matter. God is still working on your purpose. There's never a day where we can truly say we've arrived. That's going to be in heaven. Can I get an amen? When, when we truly can say, I've made it. I've done it. It's when we get to heaven. When the Lord welcomes us with his arms and says, welcome into your reward, my, servant, my faithful and loving servant. Amen? And one day that will happen for all of us. So for the next few moments, I have some questions that I want to throw at you. I want to bounce off of you as it relates to our purpose. The first one is this. What will be the center of my life? What will be the center of my life? This is really the question of worship. Who are you going to live for? What are you going to build your life around? And for many of us, we build our life centered around our career. We all know people like that, if you're one here today. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your grandchildren. Maybe it's a hobby, some activity. You put that at the center of your life. Now, all those things are wonderful. They're great. They're necessary. But they cannot be at the center of your life. And let me tell you why. Because none of those is strong enough to hold you together when everything comes falling apart all around you. When you face the death of a loved one. When you have bad news come your way. None of those things can hold you and, and keep your life from crumbling apart, but Jesus can. When he's at the center of your life, you can have something to hold on to, something to stand upon, the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Whatever is at the center of our life is what we're going to worship. So the question again is, what will be the center of my life? Do I have something else? that I gravitate towards other than God that is number one in my life? That's really what I'm saying. What is at the center of my life? So the next question logically becomes, well, how do I know when God is at the center of my life? Well, when he's, when he's at the center of your life, you worship. You got bad news today. You got fired from your job. You begin to worship. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He's going to give me greener pastures. He's opening the door for a better place. You begin to worship. It isn't just gloom and doom for a believer. No, God's got a plan for you when you put him center in your life. Amen? And when you begin to worship, what it does is it pushes worry away. 
Have you, have you noticed this, that when you don't worship, worry is right there dead center? That's not by accident. When we learn to worship and focus and put Him in the center of our life, worry gets pushed away. I want to also share that it's kind of like, we're kind of like a car in a sense. You know how you have warning lights that pop up on your vehicle? It's time for an oil change. It's time for your 10,000-mile checkup or 50,000, whatever it may be. Worry in your life is a warning light that pops up in your soul when you're not placing Him number one, when you're not worshiping like you should be. Amen? If you don't believe me, listen, or listen to this verse that we're going to look at found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. All of you know this verse. If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, underline these, these verses in your Bible. It says this in the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Say that with me. Don't worry about anything. Now, stop here. Granted, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do, but this is what the Word of God is telling you and I. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Are we doing that? Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, everybody say then. Then, that means that whatever preceded that will take place. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart, your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. So you see, when the Lord is at the center of your life, He gives you peace. Because you worship Him. If you want peace, worship Him. Worship Him. I mean, that's, it's that simple. There's no secret formula. If you want peace, worship Him. Can we all agree on that? Amen? That's, that's the number one thing I would, I would challenge you with today. Number two, what will be the character of my life? What will be the character of my life? And this is the question of discipleship. All of you are Christ's disciples. All of you are followers of Christ. And that the gist of it is, the question here is, what kind of person am I going to be? What kind of person am I striving to be? You see, God is far more interested in, in what you are than what you do, how many degrees you have, how many boards you sit on, how many lifetime achievements you've gotten in some society or whatever, God doesn't care about all that. You're going to take your character into eternity, not your achievements, not your power here. You're going to take your character. Amen? I'm going to share with you a photo I have. If we can put that up on the screen. And if you've ever looked at my Facebook profile, you, you'll see that picture. That's a, my Facebook profile picture. And Anna and I were in Fort Bragg years ago, and we were walking hand in hand by the ocean, and a bunch of houses right by the ocean, and this was plastered on the side of a house. And I stopped and I said, I gotta take a picture of that. Now, that's not the first time I've read that, first time I've seen that, a statement similar to that, but it just grabbed me and, and got my attention because 
it defined what I'm truly seeking as a pastor, as a human being, as a father, as a husband. And my prayer is that each of you would also be captivated by those simple words, which if you can't read that, it says the following, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become character, character is everything. How many would agree with that? Character is everything. You know, years ago, maybe some of you remember, but it's most likely our parents' generation, deals were done with a handshake, right? Deals were done with, with your word. You give somebody your word and it was a done deal because those were men and women of character. Nowadays, you don't dare do that. Somebody's going to sue you. <laughs> Somebody's going to want their money. Something terrible is going to happen. That's just the world we live in. We do not have the character that we used to have in days gone by. Leave it to Beaver? That's a myth, <laughs> right? Unfortunately, it, it, it's not real. Now, as Christ believers, as Christ followers, we should strive to have thoughts that become words, words become actions, actions become character, and character to define you. As everything, amen? See, you and I are defined by the type of character we have instilled in us. It doesn't matter what kind of background you came from, how cruel your mom and dad were, how much love you didn't get as a child. You're a child of God now. You're a child of the King, amen? Here's the thing as a Christ believer. Are you defined by that attitude at work of you're the one with the foul language, coarse language? Are you the snoppy or snoppy, snappy, bossy attitude at home? God forbid. God saved us from that to give you a new life, a new direction, a new purpose. Amen? He came into your life to give you a new character. And God saved you to a better way. He didn't create you to continue to live in your past hurts in 2022. He brought you out of that. So again, the question is, what will be the character of my life? Because one day, you and I will have a graveside service, a funeral service. And it, we don't have to wait till those days. What will they say about you at that time? How will they define you? How will life define you and I at that time? The Lord, through His Word, has already told us what kind of a person we should be. All it takes is reading the epistles. If you read the epistles... It'll teach you what kind of a man, what kind of a woman, as a believer, you and I should be. Godly people with, with morals and character, amen? So how will you be defined? And then the third thing, again, remember, these are all related to your purpose. The third thing is, what will be the contribution of my life? This is, this is uh, the question of service. How many know we are all servants? Jesus Christ came into this world to be a servant, he said. He was a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. And if he was a servant, how much more should you and I be servants? And one of the great things I love about our church, we've always had a, a servant attitude here in our church at Foothill Christian American Canyon. I can count on any one of you. If I were to call any one of you, you would all step up. You would all say, yes, what can I do? How can I help? And that's what I love about our church. 
Not every church is like that, okay? Let me just tell you that right now. Not every church is like that. But the question of service, it's, it's really regarding this, knowing your combination of spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and experiences. We call that your shape, S-H-A-P-E. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, abilities, personality, and experiences. And all of us bring different experiences to the table. And that's what helps mold you into that unique person that you are. This will help you, when you put these together, understand how to contribute in this life. What kind of service? What will the contribution of my life be? Did you know that God created you and I to have a twofold ministry? All of you are also ministers. I say that from time to time. You are ministers. All of you are. You have ministry. And the twofold ministry is, is a mission to believers in here and a mission to unbelievers outside the church walls. It's your family members that aren't saved. It's those that you're trying to speak to, that you're trying to connect with. That's your twofold ministry. What is your ministry here in this church? I think most of you can answer that. But if you have a, a talent, a purpose that can serve in this, in this church, let it ring, let it shine, amen, for the glory of God. You don't want to withhold a gift that God has given you, is what I'd like to say. And that's the one thing I know about our church. People just step up in all sorts of ways. We've got amazing people. And that's because the Lord has shaped you and I to serve others. At our core, we are servants. We are servants. John chapter 15 and verse 16. The Gospel of John chapter 15 and verse 16. Listen to this verse. This is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Do you hear that? God chose you. He picked you out. He appointed you. He had a divine appointment for you so that you would go out and bear fruit. Be fruitful. Wherever it is that you serve, be fruitful. Be fruitful. Again, what will be the contribution of my life? How am I serving God? And I want that to rack around, swirl around in your, in your brain, and your spirit, and ask yourself these questions in terms of living with purpose. And my fourth and final question would be this. What will be the communication of my life? This is the question of your mission in the world. You see, God has a unique mission for each of you. He has a unique life message that he's given each of you. Again, all of your life's experiences have helped shape and mold you into the person you are today. And I've, I've often, I often tell you this, each of you have a testimony. And we love hearing testimonies here, don't we? We want to share testimonies because they're an encouragement to someone else that may be going through a similar situation. Each of you have testimonies that are powerful. And I want to also challenge you with this. If you've never done this, write down what your testimony is. 
Testimony is glorifying God in what He's done for you, how He saved you, what He maybe brought you out of, what He turned your life around from, because there's always a before Christ and there should be an after Christ in your life um, in terms of describing your life. You get that? There should be a before Christ and there should be an after Christ. How your life changed, there should be a distinction is what I'm saying. And every one of you have a story, have a testimony, and the world needs to hear that. What you've gone through, have you shared that with the people out here in this world that are fighting and struggling to find out what their purpose in this world is? And have you shared that with them? I, I tell you all the time, if you walk up to somebody and you say, can I tell you how good God has been? Can I tell you what God's done for me? Can I tell you how he has blessed my life? How he saved my marriage? How he blessed uh, me with a home? Whatever it may be that may have happened in your life. See, there are people that are hurting that need to hear your testimony. You weren't created to hold that in here. You were created to share that as part of the mission field, part of your communication. Amen? If you're a parent or a grandparent, part of your mission is to raise your children and grandchildren to know Christ. Amen? To help them understand their purpose for their life. I believe all of you here do an amazing, amazing job of that. And then to send them out into the world to discover their mission, their purpose. That's what we do with our children, with our grandchildren. But of course, here's the key, here's the key point. Our lives must support the message we communicate. Growing up, were you ever told, don't do as I do, do as I say? You ever heard that? Some of you may have heard that, you know. That's because whoever was telling you what to do wasn't giving you a good example. Wasn't being the best example. They were telling you, just do as I say, don't do as I do, because they were messing up, and they knew it. Nobody's going to listen to you. If they see your life that's not living according to what you're trying to tell them. Nobody's going to know that you care until you show them how much you care. Amen? That's the simple truth. Just as unbelievers accept the Bible, or excuse me, most unbelievers accept the Bible as credible, they want to know that you are also credible. No one, again, will care how much you say you care for them until you show them that you care for them. This is what I love about the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. He said these amazing words, and I've often shared that here. It says there, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let me ask you this question today. Could you say that to somebody, an unbeliever? with a 100% heart of conviction, of truth, of character, and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Could you honestly say that? Because really, the apostle Paul is saying, follow my example. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, ultimately, you and I need to follow and model our life to the life of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying he was doing his very best and and, and he was doing a, a decent enough job that he could boldly say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so I would challenge you today, can you say that? Can you say that to anybody in your family? 
Can you say that to the lost person out there at work that you don't know or that you know does not have a relationship with the Lord? Can you truly tell them, follow me as I follow Christ? Or would they just look at you and laugh at you and say, yeah, right. God forbid. God forbid. Amen. Now, I, I, I hope all of us are being clear in our communication to those around us. Uh, and my prayer this year, because we're still in January, all the gyms are full still. All the weight loss programs are in full demand right now. And hopefully one of those goals for you this year is, how can I draw closer to you, Christ? How can I draw closer to God Almighty? And I'm praying and hoping that during this fasting that we had recently for a couple of weeks, that you took that time to pray more diligently, that you took the time to seek the Lord more diligently. See, the Lord has that plan for your life. And when you put him center in your life, he will disclose what that plan and purpose is for you. Because he has the ability to guide you, to teach you, amen? And to prepare us for the purpose he has for our lives. But you're never going to know that plan for him if you allow the distractions that are taking place in our world to take your focus off of where it should be. I truly believe that all the, all the COVID stuff, all, all the injustices are, that are going on, not only in our country, but around the world, they're all from the enemy to distract you from your purpose. All those things are coming against you and I every day, whether it's politically, racially, all these things are to distract you and get you focused on something and get you going on something that might be good cause, but you're now taken off of where your eyes should have been. Let's keep our focus on what's the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen? Jesus Christ is the main thing. And one of the scriptures I like to always read, this helps center me. And you're all familiar with the scripture. If you, if you have it in your Bible, Psalm 46 and verse 10, make sure it's underlined. Because of all the commotion and life that's going on out there, here's what it says. Be still. In fact, say that with me. Be still. Say it again. Be still. That's what God is asking us, to be still and know that I am God, is what his word declares. Be still. And I believe that too often in the recent past two years, we have become so sidetracked. We're like the, the dog. We used to have one of these dogs. He's right here. He's looking at you, so attentive. And all of a sudden, he sees a squirrel. Squirrel! And now he's going that way. And now he's going this way. And now he's going this. And he's so distracted, he can't be still to focus on what the main thing is. When you're feeling pulled, when you're feeling that lack of peace in your life, can you go, do me a favor and go back to this scripture, Psalm 46 and verse 10, and let that sink into your spirit. Be still and know that I am God. Because here's the wonderful news. When you truly embrace this principle, 
you will begin to experience the abundant joy God always wanted to give to you. See, the, the Bible says there's a certain scripture in the King James that says that you'll have joy and joy uh, uh, unspeakable, the Bible says. Joy unspeakable. We can't describe it. We can't put words on it. And that's meant for a believer. It's meant for that believer that's put Christ at the center of their life. Because here's what I do know, that when you, when you have this abundant joy, you will no longer be looking and spending your energy trying to figure out if this is the path you're supposed to take, if that's the path you're supposed to take, if I'm supposed to move here, if I'm supposed to take that job, if I'm supposed to marry that person or break up with that person. God, when you put him at the center, will teach you and guide you in every area. Amen? You see, what, what I know is what didn't work for me. When I got saved, and I've shared this with you before, three, four years into my, in my 20s, late 20s, I backslid. I, 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 got, I was the first one saved in my, in my family. I witnessed to my mom and my dad. They got saved. And I witnessed to my sister, Irene, and she got saved. My sister, Yolanda, she got saved. And I told you my brother 10 years later, but in those first few years, three years, I was living for God, and then I got distracted. And my eyes went completely away from the Lord. And I was straight up lost, not living for God, not going to church anymore. I was so far from the purpose and plan of God, it wasn't funny. In fact, if you had told me back then, you're going to lead a church, you're going to be a pastor one day, I'd have looked at you and said, are you drunk or you must be high? Because there was no way that was happening. I Just no way. But it was, it was at a point that I got to where I started to look at my life and say, how in the world did I end up here? And I began to question, Lord, how did I end up here? I know you. You saved me. And it was at that point that I remember him loving me. Like I felt like the prodigal son. There's no other way to describe it. Felt like I was feeding the pigs and eating with the pigs. And, and he pulled me out of that. And he brought me back and put me on, his, on the rock to stay where I've never, ever looked back, never, ever looked sideways to see what the world has. Because I said, Lord... If you save me out of this, I'll serve you forever, forever. And I know that didn't work for me when I got sidetracked. So I tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Make him the center of your life. Because when you get close to him, he'll show you your path. He'll show you your future mate, which he did with my lovely wife, Anna. He showed me my job, my, my meaning and purpose again but I had to make him the center of my life. If you truly want to experience God's purpose for your life, experience God. Don't go looking for his will. Look for him. And in turn, he will show you your purpose. Could you stand? Would you stand with me this afternoon as we close? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. I just want to remind you again as we close, it's in the close abiding intimacy with the Father that you will only discover what he has purposed for you. Let me repeat that again. 
It's in the close, abiding intimacy with the Father that you will only discover what He has purposed for you. Church, let's live our purpose this year. Let's be intentional. Let's take these questions that, that I asked you today and <clears throat> seriously contemplate them, ask them of yourself. Am I at where I'm, where I'm supposed to be? Lord, I want to put you back at the center of my life. I've gotten sidetracked. Help me to get back there. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for today. I thank you for reminding us of how we are to live with purpose, and that is putting you number one, putting you number one in our life, Father. I pray that we not get distracted. There's so many things going on all around us that the enemy wants to use to take our focus off of the most important thing in the world, and that is a relationship with you. That is a closeness with you, an intimacy with you. My prayer for everyone here, everyone watching online, is that we would put you center of our life, and that, Lord, that you would guide, that you would direct, that you would show us our purpose in this life. Father, again, I pray that for every person here, be their strength, be their comfort. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you, Lord. Also, Lord, as we close, I pray for Sheila Henson. I pray for Carlos's daughter, his grandchildren as well. I pray, God, that you be their strength, that you would lift them up, that you would bring comfort to them. Lord, be with them right now, Father and provide everything that they need in the name of Jesus. Also, Lord, I pray for a good friend who passed away. In fact, his funeral is being held right this moment. George Ortiz from St. Helena. I pray, Lord, for his family, his children, his wife. I pray, God, that you would bring comfort to them right now. I pray, Lord, that you would bring them peace. And, Father, we thank you as we put these needs in your hand. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And Lord, our final blessing for today as everyone just lifts their hands and receives this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.